My dad died. I miss my friends because of... I don't know how to tell my friends that. I want to help my friends. I don't know how. The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely. How can I best support students in my classroom? My uncle abused me. The morning meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is the morning meeting. Hello, I'm Mandy Zucker, host of the morning meeting. Today on the show, I'm interviewing two special guests, Preston Zeller and Lindsay Lederman. Preston lost his brother suddenly after a drug overdose. And as an artist, he decided to do a painting every day for a year to help him process his own grief after this incredible loss. He then hooked up with Lindsay, an art therapist, to create an amazing documentary called The Art of Grieving that shows how he used art to process his own loss. I watched the documentary and it's very powerful. So we'll talk about that today as well. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have both Preston Zeller and Lindsay Letterman on the show today. I'm going to ask you both to just introduce yourselves a little bit, and then we'll get into a little bit more about um, art and grief and how both have used art uh, to express grief and help others. So Preston, why don't you start? Tell us just a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having us on, Mandy. Uh, yeah, so my name is Preston Zeller. I'm an artist in multiple forms, but uh, mainly through painting. Most recently worked with Lindsay on completing a documentary called The Art of Grieving, where we tackle um, a lot of my own story in grief, but then we look at it from this clinical formal perspective, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more today. And then I also do uh, commemorative paintings for other people who want to capture the life of someone who has passed and use ashes of that person in a unique painting. So yeah, and I've, you know, been working with Lindsay again, uh, for like a year now, I think, which is crazy. Um, and really excited to uh, just be talking with her today. So Lindsay, you want to talk about yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, and yes, thank you, Mandy, for having us. My name is Lindsay Letterman. Uh, I'm an art therapist. I've been practicing for, gosh, I keep thinking of almost 15 years and I'm the clinical director at a nonprofit in New York city called the art therapy project. The art therapy project just celebrated its 10 year anniversary and we are dedicated to providing treatment for trauma survivors. We got connected with Preston and after my first conversation with him, getting to see some of his personal journey and how he used the art process and his exploration of grief, I was so uh, captured by that and his understanding of his own process and, and got, we just had these great conversations about his personal journey and my clinical perspective. And so it's just been an incredible partnership. So I'm really excited to to see him again today, as always, and to be chatting with you, Mandy. So Preston, why don't we just start with your, what brought you to this space? I know, you know, I watched the documentary, which is very powerful. You, you talk about your brother that died a few years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and how you decided to use your work as part of your grieving process? 
Yeah, absolutely. I I sort of tell kind of like different versions of, uh, I guess, my story based on, you know, how kind of detailed we want to get because the documentary covers it in this pretty intricate way. But I, you know, I think the gist for me is, you know, I've, I've been an artist for a long time in various capacities. And I was, you know, painting before I, I had this loss. Then in uh, February 2019, my brother passed away. That So he's about four years older than me. That, I think, had a sort of delayed effect on, you know, me realizing how much it was impacting me versus I, I think I approached it from this typical cultural standpoint of going back to business as usual, all that kind of stuff. And you know, had a corporate job and, you know, eventually realized that, wow, you know, I, I need to have this paradigm shift about grief and about what it means to grieve. And uh, so I essentially threw myself into this multi-year long project where, you know, first and foremost, I wanted to paint every day for a year and share that process. Cause I found through a variety of experiences that sharing the artwork and sharing my own story uh, would get other people to open up. And then you start realizing like, okay, well, everyone seems to be walking around with this, you know, compartmentalization of, of grief and, but we're not ever talking about it. Everyone's just, you know, fine and dandy and social media doesn't really help that oftentimes. And so I started painting, you know, uh, did that, pro- did that initial painting project. And then the documentary of course is like, okay, well, how do we sort of piece this together to further, you know, um, share that message. I have a film background as well. And I'm like, I got to use this. I got to use this to tell a story and tell a message. And that's where, of course, Lindsay and I met through the art therapy project. And uh, of course, Martha from there as well has been um, really uh, tremendous in, in forging that partnership. But I, I mean, I think the goal in the back of my mind has always been to like, how do you help relieve this suffering of grief in the world? That seems like a pretty, you know, big goal. And, but like starting from there and be like, okay, what can I do to impact that? And so, you know, beyond like the documentary and beyond painting is really just been reaching people from that standpoint and realizing, of course, that there's uh, many different types of grief, which we kind of touch on the documentary, but we wanted to keep it still focused around grief from death. But um, yeah, so I mean, that is kind of in a nutshell how I came to this is just having my own sort of, you know, traumatic grief experience and being forced to um, have an existential crisis many, many times and seek answers to it. That's just kind of how I'm wired. I, I have to know and kind of seek the answer. Uh, and, you know, certainly Lindsay's helped with that. So tell me, tell us, like I've watched the documentary, so I understand a little bit more, but your brother died and then you decided to paint every day for a year. Yeah. Like, was that specifically in relation to his death? Like, did you decide I'm going to paint my grief every day for a year? And how did you decide? And what was that all like? And I yeah. assume, I don't know at what point Lindsay got involved. Were you already painting or did Lindsay help you say, like, let's try this project together? Like, how did that all happen? Yeah. So Lindsay and I actually met after I had already completed this year of painting because that was when we, you know, started scheduling the hanging of the mosaic that has all the paintings. And uh, so, you know, there's only kind of so much I could fit in my head at once, but yeah, I mean, the project was a hundred percent intent on 
me trying to process this grief from my brother passing. What was that like for you to do that every day? You know, I don't know how long each painting took, but every day you devoted time to explore Mm. your own pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I think that it's interesting when you start a big project, right? And this is like kind of anything, Uh, the beginning and end are really exciting. The middle is where you have all these, you know, hardships and you start questioning, why am I doing this? And these kinds of things. And there, you know, certainly times I'm like, I think I might be crazy. (laughs) This is, this is a huge undertaking. And sometimes even, you know, questioning, is this working? Or, you know, am I just kind of kidding myself by going through this? Or am I just keeping myself busy in a different way? Um, So the paintings are all eight by 10. They're not, you know, you can only move paint around so much on an eight by 10 before you start making something. It's just really muddy. I, I think the part of the point for me was to tap into this sort of emotion that maybe I, I don't know how to feel like, you know, in, in that kind of sense. And, you know, again, I was very self-guided and I, I say this in the documentary, of course, that like it wasn't a formal art therapy session for me. It was self-guided self-therapy um, in many ways. And I didn't even know as much about art therapy until, uh, of course, I talked to Lindsay. But um, I, I think one of the things that, a couple things that helped. One is after the first 30 days, in fact, which some people will pick up on this with the, the dates of the start and end, um, I actually had to take a break because I, my whole family was moving from Washington to Texas. And I had been sharing videos and photos on uh, mainly Instagram during that time. And it, it like pained me to have to stop that process because I'm, you know, in a trailer and I'm, you know, driving across several states and I'm in temporary housing. So for about 45 days, uh, I had to take that break because I just didn't have like a really space set up for that. And just in that short time, I had people messaging me asking, hey, where are your paintings? I'm following this. This is helpful. And I was like, okay, it was sort of like validation of that thesis in a way. And then once I got back into it, um, it was really uh, straightforward from there. But so that was helpful to kind of just put out there. I'm like, okay, this is the conversation that I'm trying to start through my own story is helpful. Um, But then also realizing that I like, I know at the end of this, at least the year of painting, I will know a lot more about myself and I will have kind of body of content to share with people that has continued to, you know, sort of, I guess, pay dividends in in terms of starting conversations on social media, at least. And then, you know, going from there, that's, of course, how we met as well, uh, was, you know, you being able to kind of see a glimpse of this. And that so those things to me are super encouraging, because then it just continues the conversation, which at the end of the day, if we can make this a more open conversation, culturally, that's a huge win versus, you know, us being so awkward about these topics and, you know, kind of emotionally weird about it. I really, you know, I think mourning is the key to healthy, you know, to to resilience after a loss and mourning includes, you know, sharing grief with others and you can paint and that's wonderful. And, you know, painting for yourself, I'm sure there's a benefit to that, but sharing it with others and then having that feedback and, and knowing that other people are affected by that. And that is really key, you know, because we live in community. So Lindsay, I'd love to hear a little bit more about art therapy in general, like 
he did this on his own. He didn't have an art therapist that he was doing it with, but why is it so beneficial to, to express yourself? I mean, it's scary for me. I, I can draw a stick figure um, and that's basically it. So art's scary for me and probably for lots of people. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, I mean, um, so art therapy, just for listeners who might not know, um, it's a master's level mental health profession. We are licensed in, in, gosh, I'm going to say about at least 15 states. And the basic tenets are that uh, art expression is activating and accessing those emotional parts of our brain that there are sometimes um, either not words for, we can't find the words for, we don't want to find the words for. Um, and so it really taps into to those um, emotional parts of the brain. And so it's been um, it's been a, an incredible uh, field to be a part of the last 15 years. Um, our therapy has been around um, since, you know, the 50s. Um, and clearly, you know, us as a human race have, has used art for communication and documenting our time here on earth. In the last, I mean, I would say 15 to 20 years, it's become much more understood in the mainstream as another way to support mental health and mental well-being. You know, Preston has talked about his journey and, and I think him as an artist and as someone who's connected with himself, insightful about himself, was able to kind of have this journey with the art process with grieving on his own. Many people really benefit from the support of a professional, of an art therapist, but it's not required. I truly believe art making is in and of itself therapeutic. Um, and I truly believe that art is for anyone and everyone. I've, I've been asked the question, well, who can't you work with? Who will not benefit from this? And I, and I know that um, in my years of working and I've worked with um, uh, families and teens and, and very young children and very um, and much older adults. I truly believe this could be for anyone. Um, art therapy is not about learning art skills and drawing something that looks nice, although Preston's work is just stunning to look at, which I just love. And I have many clients who have art talent, who are former professional artists and things like that, um, which we can honor in, in the space. But with art therapy, it's really about just the creative process. And so you were talking about stick figures and drawing, and especially when people come to, to treatment with, with me or at the Art Therapy Project who get very intimidated by art, you know, art therapists are trained in verbal interventions, you know, so we work with people from a humanistic standpoint and we take people where they're at. We also know that drawing is just one part of art. You know, we have people bring out collage and sculpture and found objects and, and knitting and sewing and um, gluing pieces of wood together just to see what it makes. Um, so there's all these different ways in, all these different pathways that you can take and they're all under this umbrella that art therapy can work within. When Preston reached out and, you know, the art therapy project works specifically with trauma, um, but we know, you know, one of the things that really connected us was the idea of loss and grieving. And, you know, Preston has said this in, in just now really, but also in the, in the film, the conversation is not in the world. And I think we've seen in the past few years, mental health becoming more, appropriate and okay to talk about and less stigmatized. Um, and I think loss and mourning is still something people have a lot of trouble 
connecting on and vocalizing. And so like a picture's worth a thousand words. I mean, that says it all, right? I mean, there's our, there's our way to, to reach out and to be in touch. I'm not an art therapist, but I am thinking about some of the things that I suggest sometimes for people who are grieving that really probably are under the tenets of art therapy, like, you know, making a memory box and decorating the box. And you can, uh, you know, you can use pencil and crayons if you want to decorate it, or you can use magazines and make a collage or pictures of the person that you want to cut out and put all over the box. Like you are expressing yourself and sharing so much about the person that died or about your own feelings through art when you do those kinds of things. And, you know, a memory box is such a great activity that I love doing with people because it works for, you know, three-year-olds and it works for 90-year-olds. It's really a very, um, you know, it's one activity that you can really modify so much for people of different ages and different kinds of losses. Yes. Yes. And what you're doing is you're honoring the loss. You're honoring the person. You're honoring the feelings, the person who's experienced the loss have had. You're embodying it outside of yourself. And so here's an object. Here's a thing. Here's a, a imprint of this moment in time. Here's a memory, you know, a loss. It's a relationship, right? It's not just that one person is no longer here. The part of you that was in that relationship is, is now changed forever. And so how do you understand that? And, and certainly with, with Preston's journey over a year, and I mean, seeing, I wish I was involved with every single one of those, because I was like, tell me all the things I have. I'm so curious because, because we, and we talked about this in the film, there's not one feeling there's not one template for what it's like to go through this process. And so there, I don't think there's enough words. I don't think the vocabulary we have encompasses the rage and the pain and the sadness and the elation and the relief. I mean, all the different things. I don't think we even have the words. So being able to do that through a creative lens, I think allows for the gray area to be touched on and accepted as opposed to kind of shunned, um, which I think as a society, we kind of haven't really figured out still. Um, unfortunately, I think, I hope through this film, I hope, I hope we get there. I hope we're going in that direction. Preston, I, in the film, you talk about how your very last painting, you wanted to use some of your brother's ashes in the actual painting. I wonder, like, what was that like for you to to hold his ashes, to be putting them down on paper? And and what would you say to other people who have ashes that they're wondering, like, what to do with it? Um, maybe they want you to incorporate it into some art for them. But what was that whole process like? Yeah, so that was that was the first time I'd held ashes or painted with ashes, anything like that. I mean, I, you know, I think that's like most of us, right? I mean, unless you work in a place where you're cremating people you you don't like and and ashes are depicted in a very kind of uh odd way in movies where they're almost like um at least movies i can remember it's it's like a fine dust and it just kind of blows in the wind and so i remember getting it and i'm like well this is really weird because there are bone fragments that are very identifiable like porous bone fragments and so you 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 realize right away, okay, well, this isn't a, there's more material to this than just like sand, you know, I, you know, open this jar and you're kind of like sifting through it. And, um, I, I don't, 
I, I'm not really kind of like esoteric about energy and everything and whatnot, but I, there's definitely kind of a strange energy about that. Um, and just in terms of handling his, his bone fragments. And I, you know, that was, I think the only painting really that I had kind of like premeditated. I want to do this type of thing. Cause the rest of them were just, you know, kind of spontaneous. Um, but I knew I wanted to do his eye. There was something always about his eye because he was, um, he was someone who used drugs. That's basically what he died from. And, and you can tell a lot in someone's eyes, right. The pain they're in and, you know, whether they're on something or this kind of thing. And so was, his eyes were always like this theme and even music I wrote. Um, uh, but it was, I think really gratifying in a way to do that and, and honoring in a different way than all the other paintings. And that's why I kind of show it in the way I do and where it is in the mosaic in the film. And, you know, for other people, I think who, who have ashes laying around. And I've found this a lot, especially as I've moved more into doing these commissions for people who don't want to do it, um, who, who don't want to paint it themselves because it is too difficult in a way to like, just to address that. A lot of people, I think they get the ashes, they get the box and they sit it on the, on the shelf and that's kind of it. And, you know, and I know some people, the, a way they, they deal with the grief is, They'll take the box or the urn, they'll, you know, have it sit next to them on the couch watching the favorite movie and things like that. Um, but I, the way I think about it in terms of like what is possible with that is you're really kind of transforming it into something that is sort of uh, a next level of you that grows with your grief. And this is something I was talking, I've uh, been talking more about, you know, a, a tombstone is, is pretty stagnant. And, you know, you can revisit it and an urn is just kind of like a, you know, it's also kind of stagnant, but I think the, the amazing thing about using ashes of someone in art and in abstract art in particular, in some ways is that your grief evolves and changes over time. And, and, uh, I learned this from Lindsay and just how, you know, colors and what they mean for you can, can even be different and, and kind of evolve with you. So if you have something that is really taking their their physical remnants and transforming it into uh, a piece that you can kind of go back and reflect on over time. It it just there's some combination there that I think could be really powerful, and that's sort of what I think my paintings have been for me. And just reflecting on my brother is going, oh, you know, I I see this differently, or you know, these colors kind of pop out differently. Um, and it just, it, it's a bit more dynamic than I think a lot of these sort of traditional, um, ways we have of doing things are. I also, you know, I mean, I think the ashes are obviously very powerful, but everybody doesn't have ashes yeah. and there are other things I just want to put out there. Like, you know, you might have a piece of their clothing or, um, a piece of jewelry or something that was really meaningful to them or to you that you can use in a, in a new way. So, you know, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about all of those other, you know, possibilities that somebody can commission you to take their t-shirt and turn that into something or, or you can use it yourself. You know, if you want to do your own art, you can make, you know, there's blankets that people make out of t-shirts and a whole bunch of things. So I think that's just a, an interesting idea for people to be thinking about when they're trying to think about other ways to express themselves. I, and I, would, I would just add to that. I think there's something about personalizing a, an object or the ashes or whatever they are, but personalizing it beyond what you just get sort of handed. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I mean that uh, there, it's sort of like 
and and I can see Lindsay like you know he has has some really good things to say there, but there's just something about that that's kind of more profound than just like oh I got this in the aftermath. Lindsay, do you have something really profound to say? Gosh, <laughs> setting me up for failure. <laughs> no, I you know what I what I think is so special about this what you're talking about um, in the idea of um, commemoration, but also legacy and having that be personalized. And again, the relationship we have with that person is, is one of a kind. Um, Their relationship with every other person is totally different. Our relationship with the person we lost was never to be replicated. No one had anything like that. It doesn't matter. It's so personal. Um, And so to have something unique, uh, as it relates to that, and that can be changed over time. And I, I, I just had this discussion in a session last week um, because Preston is a painter. Uh, you know, I was working with a group and I was telling them how, I, you know, I'm looking around my room, some of my art. I have, what I love about paint, and it's not true for all art modalities, but it, it is for some, I can go back and layer and layer and keep changing and with my mood, with what I feel. And so not and what's great is nothing disappears it all still exists under the most current layer and so there's no deleting there's no erasing which is again this beautiful metaphor for life right we can't just like cut this part out that we didn't like and say it never happened it's under there but we have this power this um part of ourselves that can still transform and change without forgetting the past or forgetting the ugly parts or forgetting the painful parts. So that's all, all my profound insight right there. Beautiful. I do have one other question for each of you, you know, and I think about this with my own work too, because I honestly feel like my work is a lot of the way that I take care of myself by taking care of others and educating and bringing awareness about grief uh, normalizing that experience, it it helps me with my own losses. And at the same time, it is work. And I also need to get away from work sometimes and do other things that are helpful and allow me to, you know, express my grief and connect to other people. And I'm wondering what each of you do outside of this to sort of help, you know, to take good care of yourselves. Lindsay, you want to go? Yeah, sure. I mean, you might not be surprised by this, but I need to create art outside of a clinical setting for myself. I I need it. I like Preston alluded to this. There's not a lot of room in day-to-day life to like get in touch with my feelings. You know, I have a family, I have a job. Life is, life keeps going. Unfortunately, that's the culture we live in. Um, So without and I do this, I have uh, behind this computer screen that I'm looking at, I have a wall of post-its because sometimes during my day, I don't have time and it's really a pen and post-its and I just like do a quick sketch. Um, so art making is essential to my self-care because otherwise all that stuff kind of just gets stuck and bottled up. I also have really wonderful community and I think community support is wonderful with other art therapists, other clinicians, just people in the organization. Preston mentioned Martha Dorn. She's our executive director. Uh, we have a fabulous team. Knowing that you're not alone is like half the battle in so many of these things. 
Um, I also think physical exercises and nature are kind of the next layer of things for me. It's freezing. I'm in New Jersey. It is freezing. I don't like it. Texas might be another stop in the future, but um, but getting out there and, and being able to even just look outside and pull up to the forest and, and see deer. And that to me is just like healing and physical exercise. And, and Preston, again, mentioned this, but when we are alone with anything, I mean, it's definitely grieving, definitely loss. It is bottled up. It is, it is not allowed out. It is, can be really detrimental to our mental and physical health. So what I really love about what he's doing is he's sharing in this really vulnerable way. And I think so many people will be touched. And I hope see that having these conversations is like, not only healthy, but like has to be done. So how about you, Preston? How do you take care of yourself outside of the art and the work? Yeah. I mean, I certainly nature and getting out, uh, like Lindsay was saying, um, I think that that's sort of a really, uh, time tested way to ground yourself, you know, and part of, um, I think doing it outside of the, the normal work of things is also just uh, focus time with, uh, my wife and, and also my kids, because um, you know, I think, uh, especially I know you have a younger audience, but you know you're going to get older, and it's it's. Uh, I think we lose sight of how much children feel things so much more than uh, probably a lot more than adults in some ways because they don't have all these barriers. And I've had to kind of wrap my mind around that a lot more with my children, even though they're young. When my brother passed, they've gotten older, so they think about it more, and they ask these really complex questions that you're like why are you being philosophical <laughs> you're, you're seven years old or eight years old? Like this is, uh, that's probably some of me rubbing off on them, but I, you know, engaging with them and uh, I think their creativity is actually really helpful too. Cause you know, I, I get outside of, you know, something that can, can become just self-serving in a way. And, uh, and then, you know, we share what we create together. And so I have a, you know, where my studio is, where I do my painting, um, I kind of share that space with my kids in a way because they go in and, and they be creative. And and I just find that to be um, super helpful. Um, you know, and also uh, I, I find myself getting into conversations with complete strangers and, and I, you know, definitely there's no like uh, agenda there ever. It's just, uh, I will come across someone who they need to talk to someone and they don't know who to talk to. And you just happen to be, um, a lending year. I was at an event um, last month for just a bunch of dads who live in my area and people are going through all sorts of stuff. They're going through divorce and they've gone going through death and they're going through just a um, ton of different, you know, grief arousing situations. And I could pick up on a couple of people in particular who probably for 30 minutes, they were just sharing, you know, some pretty uh, gnarly stuff, but I'm like, if I could just be an ear in there, I I, I will. Cause otherwise I don't know what they're doing with it. Cause again, the whole, you know, society cultural thing, you know, we don't want to talk about it. So those are certainly uh, some of the ways that I, I think outside of the formal stuff that I like to stay grounded. So if people are interested in this documentary, I know you're in the middle of distribution and things, but how can people find the documentary or, you know, find you to stay in touch and make sure that they could find it at some point? Yeah. So if you go to the art of you can sign up for a, um, you know, periodic newsletter. 
Um, we are doing blog post updates. Um, so that's the best way to get in, in touch there. There's also a page for uh, the Art Therapy Project, although um, they have their own website as well. And uh, I, you know, I'm most active on Instagram through um, just Preston Zeller, you know, so that, that handle we uh, will, we'll have accounts for the film at some point. They're just not really filled up yet, but yeah, that's the best way to get in touch with me in the film. And Lindsay, if people are interested in the art therapy project or want to find you, how can they do that? The art therapy project.org. Um, you'll find uh, all our information there. Uh, we're on LinkedIn and um, Instagram and Facebook. And um, there's a way to reach out to us directly from the website. Um, so come check us out. Thank you. Thank you both so much for being on the show. Thanks, Mandy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you to Preston and Lindsay for coming on the show today. Next week, I'm interviewing Sephora Eisenstein, a therapist specializing in eating disorders. Eating disorders are fairly common in young adults on college campuses. We're going to talk about the ways grief can either trigger an eating disorder and also the grief that people with eating disorders may experience. So I hope you will join us for that. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.